and welcome to Dungeoneered, a podcast dedicated to discussing Dungeons and Dragons. I'm Aaron. And I'm Josh. Let's do this. All right, so Josh, um, I don't know if you've heard of this game, but recently I have a new game came out that I've been playing a ton, and I'm, I'm assuming you probably haven't, but it's called Super Auto Pets. I think I might have heard have of it. Have you ever this. heard of it? Okay, well, essentially it's like a... Um, it's like a auto chess. Have you ever played an auto chess game? I Do you know not. what an auto chess game is? No, I have no idea what an auto chess game is. So auto chess game is like you, there's like a board and you have a bunch of like tokens that you buy and place on the board and they like auto battle the other person's tokens. So it's like a st- strategy slash like luck based game because you have to buy a bunch of different tokens and the more you buy they level up and stuff like that. And um, this game, Super Auto Pets, is like a game where you buy cute little animals and line them up in a certain way and they fight each other and give each other different bonuses to beat each other. For some reason, I'm super hooked on this game. It's free to play, so anybody wants to get it, it's free, but um, I'm super addicted to it. And it made me think, you know, we haven't really talked too much about pets in our D&D game and how to run pets interestingly we've done a few like well we have a dog in a tavern or like you know there's a circus blah 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 but we haven't really talked too much about running pets so how do you run pets do you run pets do you avoid pets do you keep pets do you hate pets because they ruin ranger even though ranger already sucks (laughs) what's your opinion there what do you mean they ruin ranger even though ranger already sucks well, like the ranger, um, the one who can have a, like a special pet, sucks. Like their yeah, pet Beast is terrible. Yeah, not a is not a well balanced class. Yes. No. Yeah. So like some people are like, oh well, pets ruin, ruin um, Beastmaster. But I'm like, well, Beastmaster's already ruined. So <laughs> jokes on you. But yeah, I just <laughs> I don't know. How do you? I I like to go with the things a player wants. So a player talks to me and says, hey. I'm thinking my character has a dog. I'll be like, okay, like let's let's figure out how to do this and not make you feel overpowered. Let's give you this dog, but let's make it like feel fun and and so currently I have two dogs in the party. What? You do? Yeah. There's two dogs in my I didn't my know this. Adventuring party, uh Kodo and Podo, which they're named after something. <laughs> I don't know the reference, but uh older people seem to. Um and so these dogs, um, the the player is a ranger, and they're playing the ranger that is, um, it's called Horizon Walker, where you like detect portals and you can you're all about crossing planes and doing all these things. Yeah, this one's one of my favorite rangers. And my world is nobody knows the other planes exist. Like there is so much preventing one like preventing any sort of planar travel or anything. And so he's like the only person who's seen it and like is trying to figure out what's going on. What is this? This planar travel and all this and and he seems to be uniquely affected by it and that's why he's this type of ranger. And so when I we were coming up with cool ideas for these dogs and making them interesting and unique cuz just regular dogs quickly get outpaced in any game of D&D to the point where they're just they're their problems to have in combat rather than any sort of aid. Where it's like, yeah, especially those if things you want to like die. save them. Yeah. Yeah. They're those just going to die. die. You're like, I don't so want them fast. to die. Yeah. So as the party is getting stronger, so will the dogs. 
Not excessive. So you're like leveling so up the dogs? Yeah. But I'm doing it like they start out, they have this stat block. Next, they have this stat block, and so on, and so on, and so on. And so because this ranger class is all about teleporting and portals and things like that, each of them are kind of being affected by these portals in a similar way to their master. So uh, Kodo is going to become what's called a shadow mastiff. It's an actual stat block in D&D that kind of uses the shadows and uh, teleports through them. While Podo is becoming more like a displacer beast. And so they all are gonna they're gonna both be affected by these portals, but in different ways. One's gonna be better for stealth, and the other one's gonna be better for combat, and like they're all gonna be they're gonna have their own feel to them, but they're still never gonna be like, Oh, you jump in the middle of combat and you help us. It's like, hey, pick out the people from the the sidelines, still feel like you're helping, but don't get hit by fireballs okay so that's interesting do you do you see pets having like an out of combat use like oh they, they they're constantly I know familiar used. is kind of these are guys they? are constantly how do they in combat how do they use them well so they have a halfling in the party so at one point they found out this news of oh no the city is about to be attacked they they found this out they were about a day's travel out and they knew that if they traveled there as fast as they could, it would still be getting there pretty much the same time as this attack. So you couldn't warn them if you just ran there yourself. And they were like, how do we get there quicker? How do we get there quicker? We're not very high level. What do we do? What do we do? They realized, wait, this dog is big enough that, that the halfling can ride it. And so, yes, the two dogs and the halfling went off ahead. They actually encountered some enemies along the way and had to fight. But it was this it was this really cool moment of if these dogs weren't there, we never would have been able to get to the city and warn them in time. And the party came a little late. And it was this it was it was a really cool moment. So then do your players like enjoy? I mean, as far as you know, obviously, do, do your players enjoy having these dogs like be at least something that's not essentially detrimental <laughs> to the group. Yeah. It, honestly, cuz we're still level 6, so we're not super powerful. They're not super powerful yet, but they are they're really cool for certain like role play aspects as well when it's like, "Hey, I want to go do this." Technically, you'd be going and doing this this whatever task it is in alone. And they're like, hey, why don't you take the dog with you? And it kind of makes them feel like they're like being protected. Even though the dog is way weaker than they are, it's kind of is has become this thing of, well, just feel safer if you take the dog. Because like even if, if something happens, the dog can find us and warn us of what happened, or the dog can can uh track your scent, or like there's just so many different things that the dogs can do that they they kind of have become this link for the party to stay together. Do you see a lot of, like, out of... I don't know, like, not in-game... Like, I'm, not, I'm trying to figure out how to word this, but, like, like not mechanics-wise use for, do like, animals besides, like, maybe just roleplay? Like, do you think that is a thing? What do you mean? Just, like, petting the dogs? Well, because, I don't know, like, I find it really hard to use animals mechanically in D&D... When it comes to making them do cool stuff, unless like, again, unless it's like a ranger, just because like I feel like 
it's almost like giving somebody the ability to disarm somebody's weapon with just like a normal melee attack when mm-hmm. that's what a battle master can do so like yeah. i find it hard to like do that kind of stuff not because i can't come up with something but because i feel like it limits one of the classes really heavily mm-hmm. do you see any like just like for example sprinkle that's one of the only things i've really Matt. done with the dogs is is enhance the class of the ranger so it just feels like he has these kind of right other versions of himself that he can send out it, it, they they will be able to teleport and they've kind of have shown weird capabilities to do so already where like one one time um a player was getting kidnapped are they a pretty major part in your uh group's dynamic i mean not incredibly so i mean it's it's really just in the ways that i've described already how hey like oh you're going alone yeah here take one of the dogs and it kind of just they they feel like they can they even if it doesn't matter how far they go, they feel like the dog can track and find them. Even though it still depends on roles and you still have to go searching, by having the dog there, they feel like they're a little more capable of doing that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I've just, try- I'm, I've just tried to think about how I can have a dog in my game that's not useless, but not limiting on like a ranger's class. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't something I expected, but... Uh, I haven't ran into problems with it yet. Um, I know some people do end up having problems where people abuse it or it gets, it just feels too overpowered for that one character. But so far the character I have with them hasn't, they haven't been overused or, or abused in any way, which is good. Yeah. Uh, the thing, I think the most common thing that I have a problem with is they're useless or a detriment and like, yeah, you don't uh, want somebody. That. Yeah, like you don't want that to happen. And then, like, if you like have an enemy who like shoots fireball or something, and the dog's in the way, and like you're like, well, yes. I don't want to kill it because <laughs> that's kind of mean. <laughs> yep. You know, I definitely agree with that and feel that. Because like, what's gonna happen if like your character like gets in a serious situation and the dogs are like, you know, over here about to be murdered? Like, are you just gonna kill them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's one. Of, it's one of those um, things that I I worried about. I think too much beforehand, but now that I have them in, I'm like, you know, it hasn't been a much of a problem as I thought it would be. Yeah, maybe I just haven't run pets enough. Most of the time, when I run pets, it's like I just forget that they're there, and then you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that definitely. Like a role play thing with the pet. I mean, that definitely happens where you're like, oh crap! I totally forgot that there should have been a dog in this encounter. <laughs> Um, yep, that's usually what happens to me. But you know, but I leave that more up to the I, players. as a player, love having a pet, even if it's useless. I love having a pet when yeah. I'm a player. I feel that. No, I think I got to cut us off here. I know I'm cutting us off a little early, but I do have a lot to talk about. Okay, okay, okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, okay. So, just a heads up for uh, all you listeners. Um, my computer's being a real butt today, and some for some reason not opening my notes. So, I gotta be on my laptop. So, I might pause or stutter in weird ways because I'm trying to read a smaller screen. Just a heads up. <clears throat> okay. So, this this week, I knew what we were making. Since last week, we started creating our Big Bad Evil Guy of Season 3. 
So I looked for gods that would intrigue and inspire us to create this fallen deity. In the end, I found a rather strange individual called Kelem Vor. And he seemingly had quite an interesting story. And as I began to research it, I kind of got lost. Just absorbed into the story. And after a while, I realized, oh, wait, I haven't taken actually any notes. I got to <laughs> I gotta write about this. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? It, the story just intrigued me. I'm like, this, what? What's going to happen next? I like... I had I had a lot written yesterday, and then I had to write some more this morning, and I hadn't even got to where they became a god by yesterday, by the end of my note taking session yesterday. And I yeah, was, yesterday after D and D, you were telling me like that you needed a little bit more time to do some writing and stuff, even though you've already written a bunch. Yeah. Now to explain the tale of Kelimvor, we need to first discuss his family. For he wasn't always a god. He was actually a human, born into the Lion's Bane family. The Lion's Bane were cursed. From an outside perspective, the curse could look like a simple case of like lycanthropy, where they turn into this panther form. This curse was placed on the family by a sorcerer, who was wounded and left to die by their ancestor, Kyle Lion's Bane who abandoned the sorcerer to plunder an enemy stronghold. The curse was supposed to force, forcibly transform any family member if they did anything selfish or just for profit. But over Wait, time... what? So if, if any person of this lineage did something selfish or just for profit, then they would turn into this animalistic panther form and just rampage. Boy, that's interesting. That's an interesting curse. It is. But over time, this curse actually weakened and altered. By the time that Kellum Vor was born into the Lion's Bane clan, the curse wasn't affecting every member anymore. Only some of them. And it made them have excessive feral feelings they needed to control. It also made them require a reward for any task if they didn't get one, then they would transform and rampage. Wait, so it kind of turned opposite of yeah, what it was? Yeah, kind of. Like, now they have to do it for something? Now they, ha they have to have a reward for it. Needless to say, this wasn't the hoped-for result of the curse. Now this curse relied on the person remembering that they were rewarded. So as the descendants aged they began to forget if they actually received a payment and they would rampage anyway. This established in the family a need for the younger generation to kill the older by around the age of 50, as just being around them could be dangerous at that point. This was the world and family that Kalemvor was born into. This family was also slightly blessed by this curse. Just like lycanthropy, they gained strength and animalistic traits such as that. This led to the family having a long line of mercenaries, and Kelimvor's father was going to continue this tradition with his sons. Now I'm just going to give a heads up here. The father in this story is abusive and violent. And if that is a trigger for you, or you'd rather not consume this or listen to the story, you can skip to about the 30 minute mark 
where we will be creating our own god and you don't have to listen to it if you don't want to oh boy yeah for a father like this his older sons were the perfect children as they had by the time Kellum Vor came into the scene already begun to make names for themselves as strong and powerful mercenaries but Kellum Vor was a disappointment in this regard as he showed aptitude in artistic pursuits not martial ones uh oh on this front Kellum Vor's tutor actually began to encourage him and uh, helped him grow in his art- artistic pursuits. When Kellum Vor's father found out, he was pissed. This was not how his son would be taught. He quickly fired her, but first, this bitter old man gathered a group of friends and beat her excessively and left her for dead. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's horrible. Kellum Vor didn't find this out until weeks later, and a hatred began to boil inside him as this pissed him off. For now, Kellum Vor, for now though, Kellum Vor channeled his rage into martial training. Sort of like his father wanted, but the father didn't see the true intent of his training. Because of this, Kellum Vor had shut himself off from others, not wanting to be in pain again. But when he was 13, he met a girl that changed all of that and began to break through his exterior, working her way into his heart. The a-hole father saw this as a distraction and also beat her as well to get her to leave his son alone. Kellum Vort came upon him as he was committing this heinous act and charged violently full of rage, but he was knocked to the side, and as he rose from the ground, his body began to change, and he turned into the family's panther form, and he brutally mauled his father to death. Oh, gosh. His girlfriend was incredibly scared seeing this panther monster before her, but soon realized that Kelimvor's mind was still inside, and she led him to the forest where he could be safe. And it wasn't until about six months later before he gained full control over his body and mind again. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. In the end, though, his uncle found him in the forest and revealed all to him about the family's curse and its history. His uncle was always supportive of Kellum Vor and his sensitive side, and he trained him on how to manage his curse. His uncle was an adventurer, and despite Kellum Vor never wanting to be a fighter, he began to enjoy the company of his uncle and their adventuring party. When he turned 18, once more tragedy reared its ugly head, and the adventuring party, including his uncle, were slaughtered in an ambush by Kellum Vor's eldest brother, Gunther, or Gunthar. And once again, the curse flared, and Kellum Vor slaughtered his brother and most of his companions, only letting those that ran away get get for it go free wow this is a pretty tragic uh backstory holy cow this further disheartened kalimvor with the world himself and fighting but as he continued to be a mercenary using the skills that he knew slowly his dreams began to change yes he still longed for the artistry that he could have had if not for the curse and his father's cruelty but his goals changed He began to dream of being free of the curse and becoming a hero, like the true heroes of legend. It was this dream 
that drew him away from his current life. He felt an unexplainable need to find something to give his life meaning. He met up with two people, Midnight and Adon of Soon. With them, he adventured and ended up doing things that fit right in with a heroic D&D campaign. He earned the favor of Bane, the god of strife, who removed his curse, returned the Tablets of Fate to Waterdeep for their eventual return to Ao. During the climax of his campaign, he faced gods face-to-face with his party, and he was killed by a mortal called Siric, who in this event killed and replaced the god of death with the sword God's Bane, while the other companion, Midnight, ascended to become the new god of magic, Mistra. But due to some rather crazy hey. things with the God's Bane blade, instead of Kelimvor dying, the god Mask hid him in a demiplane for ten years, while the now god of death, Siric, searched for him, hoping to truly end him. In the end, God's Gods banded together and caused chaos in Siric's strongest points of faith, causing many followers to turn away and weaken him. Siric became overcome by a nightmare that made it appear that Kelimvor had be- had come back for revenge, and it- in Siric's madness, he broke his sword, which in the end actually freed Kelimvor. Kelimvor, as just a soul, fought Siric and he managed to win. And in the end, Kelimvor was elected to be the next god of the dead. In his godhood, he reformed death. The previous lords of death had all ruled from an ostentatious bone castle, a twisted citadel of imposing appearance. But Kelimvor turned it into a beautiful crystal spire. He did this to show that through its translucency that no more shall death be a scary mystery. In D&D, what happens when people die is that they go to the lands of their deity. But if they are either rejected by their deity, they're an atheist, or they're people believing in a false deity, that when they die, they are sent for judgment to the god of death. Instead of ruling as the lords of death previously, Kelimvor would not eternally punish pretty much everyone. Instead, he began to be more lenient on those who were good and harsher on those who were evil. This knowledge makes its way back to the material plane, and honorable and brave people are no longer fear death. Knowing that there is a benevolent being there, this is also aided by Midnight, the new Mistra, and one of Kelimvor's companions. Also okay, giving... wait, so he... Yeah? So Kelimvor replaced the god of death yep turned this like terrible spire into a beautiful crystal palace and began to reform the way that, that death worked and then he began like instead of people who go i don't know to hell or wherever their chosen plane or whatever because of their belief he ended up like Punishing no, no, so people they who still were do bad that. and helping people who are good no so they still did that they still if if you followed a god and kept to their tenants and whatnot, that god would take you after death. But for the people that were that didn't care about the gods, that didn't want any sort of thing from the gods, that just wanted to be their own people, do their own thing, they used to be scared of death. Because from all the stories and things that you could learn, it seemed like 
when you die, it didn't matter if you were good or bad, if you didn't follow a deity, you were going to get punished. You were going to, eternal torment was waiting for you. Okay, got it, got it. Okay, that makes sense. So after that, they were like, wow, like we don't need to fear that anymore. But it also made evil people be like, ah, shucks, that sucks. We get super punished now if we die. I don't like that. So it oh, kind good. of started to affect the the material plane, these gods making decisions and doing things differently on the the holy realm. Now, when Mistra also joined in, she began giving more people good of heart magic rather than an even spread. So people who were evil stopped get receiving as much magic, and people who were good were receiving more and more magic. Through this, we the world be- we became unbalanced. And the two gods were harshly punished by the Pantheon for incompetency by humanity. Okay, we don't like to see that. This shook Kelimvor, as he was to judge others. That was his job. But his judgment was clearly proven wrong. He harshly reevaluated himself, and in the end decided as a god, his duties were more important, and allowed himself to change. He was no longer the human that he was in life. He now needed to fully be this god. Uh-oh. He didn't reverse his cha- He didn't reverse his changes to the city completely. But he made them a sort of neutral. No longer was there a good and evil side of the city of death. But people were placed with those who lived like them. He even became so godly his human connections were not as important as doing his task correctly. Midnight, his companion and friend from when he was alive, now Mistra, the goddess, saw that their other companion, Adon, was dying soon. She came to Kelimvor and said, Hey, he's dying. He has been tricked by Siric into madness and has kind of fallen away from following any deity. So he's clearly going to go to you. Can you give him to me? Like, let me take his soul. Like, hey, we're, we were friends. Let me do this. Let me, let me let us help Adon, our, our friend. And Kelimvor said no. <laughs> he allowed his friend and companion no. Adon to become a faithless in the city, despite Mistra begging for his soul. This soured wait, the relationship. He became a, he became a faithless? What's, wait, what, what? It's... It's... Uh, too many, too much stuff to, to go into now. When you die and you don't have, you don't have um, a deity, you have like two things that you can become: a faithless or like um, I forget what the other one's called. But it's they, it, there's so much lore behind this. I wouldn't have time to explain it right now. Ah, okay. But um, but yes, that's all I have written for Kellum Vor, and so. I thought I'd give us a little recap now of what the story we created so far was. Now, we st- this is still loose, and yeah. we can still edit it, but this is kind of how I saw it last week. So we had the story of a tragic god figure who was cast out of the heavens and never allowed to die. His position was like the god of death or the god of transitioning into death. And even kicked out of the heavens, he somehow wanted his control once more over death. Even if he had to steal it. 
He originally wants to find the magical box that, that kicked off season three, which is where the, the players will originally encounter him. When he found it draining power from its surroundings, he figured he could use this, and he began to taint the box, making it draw upon the power of death instead. So when a person dies, instead of going to heaven or hell, their soul gets trapped inside the box. And that's what we had, and we wanted to build on that. Okay. So where do we want to take this? What do we want to do? How do we want to expand this? Um... I don't know. I, I'm. I think what we, we need, need to do is we need figure some backstory out who the person is. First of all, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he he has no backstory whatsoever. So we do need a little bit of backstory. Yes. There's a part of me that kind of likes. Well, I don't know. Kind of likes the idea of him not being god at first, and he became a god, and then lost his godhood again. But maybe that's a little too complicated. No, I mean, I think we could do that if we wanted to. What are you thinking? Are you thinking um, he's always been a god? Was he like a founding god? What do we what do we want? Hmm. And what what was he a god again? Do we have what he was a god of like before? Like is he a god of death or So we kind of thought of it like Charon, like fairy of people from life to death. But it's I mean that's not required. Yeah, okay. There's a part of me that wants him to be like ruler over death, but I don't know what that would look like in D&D. What does that look like? Is that like like, he leads you to your place you're supposed to go. Is that what that looks like? Or does he, like, decide where you go? I I think I think I like D&D's idea for it, and I think that's what we would stick with, is if you have a place to go, they lead you there. But if you don't have a place to go, they judge you. Okay, yeah, so I want him to kind of be that the he leads people, but if you don't have a place to go, he judges you. Mm-hmm. Is that is that kind of what we want? Yeah. And then we had that he was essentially creating his own plane to send souls to to give himself like more power, right? And that's what we kind of discussed when he was a god. That's what he was doing. Mm-hmm. To get, so how do okay? How does he get power from souls in his plane? Does he like siphon their energy? What does he do? Is it like Santa Claus and the more people who uh, worship him in his plane, the more stronger he is? <laughs> what? How how are we doing that? I mean, I think I think that's probably partially it. Is that the the more souls that are on his plane, the more powerful he is? Yeah, I think that's what I I want as well. Or like the more entities and souls he has in his plane, the the better and stronger he becomes. So mm-hmm. I think he's creating this whole plane. He's creating this whole demi plane or his own plane. And he's starting to, like, oh, you believed in, you know, XYZ God. Cool, let me take you to their plane. And he doesn't deliver them to where they're supposed to go. And instead, he he, ends up... Does he keep it a secret? Does he deliver them to a place and be like, oh, no, no, this is it. This is it. I think that's what he'd do, yeah. He'd be like, oh, this is it. You know what would be really cool, actually, too, is if his plane was, like, a mixture of all the gods' planes. Like, he tried to emulate and create... Yeah, he has a like, section that looks like each. Yeah, like a section of a city where you can go to like Chinatown and, you know, like all these different areas in a city. That's kind of what he did. We're like, oh, this is, you know, the God of Waters plane, you know, like, <laughs> but it's all his. Like he's just kind of mimicked and created this yeah. zone to trick and fool people to go to this plane. Mm-hmm. Now, Do you see okay, players so he... being able to go here, first of all? 
Uh, yes, and I think I think it would be like um, I I think the plane is huge, and I think what it would yeah, do is I... is the players would go here, but each player would be in their own version of what they would think of as heaven, and the the like people that they meet here are also like like them where they believed that this is what heaven should look like so they're in this place and so like they so everybody there believes that oh this is heaven and so they're like wait we're in heaven where's my party where's everybody else okay here's the question though is it physically like other gods planes or does it like manifest depending on what your soul craves for a Heaven. I think it has to physically be that because I think he doesn't I think he could do it the other way. I just think if you have as many people as he's hoping to have here, I don't think it would be reasonable to assume that uh making these their own mental um equivalents of what they believe each plane should look like is it just doesn't seem feasible. It doesn't seem agreed, agreed. And I think I want to add on to this where I think if the soul, and correct me if you don't want this, but if the soul is tricked into going into this plane, it gives him less power than a soul who actually believed in him. Does that make sense? Hmm. So then he's on a mission to gather a lot of souls. <laughs> like, more than any other... Like, that's his whole entire purpose, is to be gathering these souls, because he gains smaller amounts because of because they're not like true they weren't ever true followers of him mm -hmm. um or do you see it do you see it a different way do you see it as they gain him equal amount of power well so what i think is i think he will um i think part of the trick of this place is he has false like ver like maybe maybe they're his um his like uh underlings are appearing as false versions of these gods and part of what they do by having these followers of them around them is they slowly convince them that this other deity aka the person that we're creating is the one they should be worshiping so he has like cronies like uh his his own people that are masquerading as gods in his plane yes. and they're trying to convince him that he is the true one that everyone should be worshiping they're trying to convince no they're trying to convince uh the like people that go that are that are taken there to stop worshiping their god and worship him instead right 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 okay i like that i like that a lot I think and so I like what that I, a lot. And it's so what I like think a... is at some point the party's going to have to go to this plane like as like high level adventurers and what they're what they're going to they're going to have to do is like maybe convince some of these people like hey this is not heaven. This is not where you you're not where you think you are. So that okay. He currently, right? The god is is he still a god? Is he not a god? Is he... He's been like kicked a, out of godhood. He's still now? powerful, but he's kicked out of godhood. So is he more of like a demigod now, or is he just like a cursed mortal? Like... Uh... Yeah, I'd say he's more like a demigod, power-wise. Yeah, I, I don't know. I see him... 
See, I think I see him more as a cursed immortal, and he inhabits the form of whoever has, and he gains their power. Does that make sense? So, like, if he becomes, like, a baby, then he's not going to be, you know, demigod status or whatever. If he becomes, like, a farmer, then he... I think he retains knowledge, but he is, like, inhabiting the physical form and the mental prowess of... Maybe not the mental prowess, but a physical form for sure of like the farmer because hmm. if if they cursed him to be like a demigod and he falls to the earth and becomes like you know switching into different bodies when he dies it's not super big of a i mean i guess it is still a pretty big punishment but like he he's still pretty powerful and could like rule the world with each individual life or is he just so consumed I, with like madness i don't madness think they have he, the power to me, I, I think that would be the thing. Would be they weaken him as much as they can, but you can't make him weaker than that. Like that's the best they could do. And so, okay, well then, my so my thought was that the reason they cursed him with this, like where he dies and re-inhabits a new form, is because they couldn't eliminate his power. But every time he dies, his power resets essentially. Hmm. Does that make sense? Interesting. That is interesting. I think. So I think, I think he. So my my thinking for why he keeps reincarnating is because they don't want him in heaven or hell, because that is the divine realms, and he is he's he's literally um, kicked out. He cannot go to the divine realms, and so he literally was is not allowed to go into these these divine areas. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, and that's that was that's my thinking as well. But I think it's like a, I was seeing it a little bit as like a double, not double edged sword, but like a, a two for one, two birds with one stone. Because this will like, if he was still a god, like a demigod or something, and he started creating his own plane, then he could ascend into godhood. So they wanted to prevent that. The problem is, is they didn't foresee him finding this box to aid him in doing such a thing and now he's gaining the power back now he's essentially a demigod again and he is now creating this plane again to get his power back mm-hmm. so they had him cursed for to never be able to enter into the divine realms but every time he died he lost his strength that he had accumulated so now he's back to you know farmer john or whatever until he rebuilds slowly through that life and then once that life is over he's back down to you know farmer john again the problem was is that he through these lives started to like he's smart he's still smart he still has his own mind so he started to like write down things keep track of different things and eventually his research led him to find where this box was located at and he ended up getting there and finding this box and now is using it to elongate his life, build planes, capture souls, stuff like that. Mm. So the curse they originally put on him has kind of been outsmarted in a way, and he's now regaining his power. Mm-hmm. That was kind of my thought. But I like the idea, too, of the sole purpose was just to... um make it so he could not get into heaven and he's still very powerful and he's just used his you know demigod powers to find this box and now is using it to create his own plane and capture souls i think it's interesting the idea of of pushing him back to zero every time that he's killed 
So, do you think um, the people who are killing him are the gods? Like, they just literally have to try to find him. Once they find out who he is, they kill that body. Yeah, I think part of it is probably that. Yeah, like, maybe they even have, like, a like a, a god of trickery or something. Force. Or, like, yeah, yeah, like a tax force, stuff like that. Yeah, like, people looking for him and trying to kill him. And now that he's, you know... He's he starts to learn and try and mask where he's going and you know like he's re- starting to try and retain this information that he's learned upon dying over and over again, and now the gods are getting worried because he's getting harder and harder to stop. Yeah. So backstory on him then we didn't even get to any backstory. <laughs> backstory on him. He, we want him to be a god the whole time, or do we want him to be immortal first? Like, was he cursed back to being immortal, or was he cursed just out of godhood? Um, I think he's cursed out of godhood. I think he is, he is, um, I think he's still, uh, uh, that's a hard one. What do you think? I don't know. I'm stuck. I like both of them. I, I, I'm always a sucker for the, I was once a human and then I rose to godhood storyline, you know, like I'm a big sucker of that like liches too like religious are like just normal dudes and then like you know they gain a ton of power and they turn and then they get absolutely stitches. horrible and horrendous yeah but i like the idea of him just being a god as well and was just the ultimate curse is to remove your godhood you know like <laughs> to like just take it away from you forever even though that's all you've ever known um mm-hmm. okay well let's think if he wasn't a god in the first place he was a human how did he ascend to godhood would he have, like, was he a, like, was he partially like strange and was experimenting with like the afterlife and death and souls? Um, I think I think I would want to have it more tragic. So I think I think the whole thing with him would be, um, he like maybe he was some sort of like um victim of a lich th- event. I don't know what I mean by that, but <laughs> I mean some. Um, but he yeah, he was I, he was somehow like forcibly um, infected with a lot of death energy or something. I don't I don't know what we'd call it, and it kind of changed him. Okay, what if we? What I mean, what if we did like he accidentally killed someone? The god of death. And was trying to like It was it was a Santa Claus guide situation. Their soul. What was that? It was a Santa Claus situation. The god of death was on his rooftop. He says, Hey, what are you doing up there? And then he the god of death <laughs> falls. And then he looks at the cloak <laughs> and it says, You put on this yep. cloak, you become yep. the god of death. And I, it just happened. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> it's a Santa Claus situation. I, but but what if like he actually like he accidentally killed someone dear to him, and he. Oh, what if he went all tries from the animated movie, diving and into the pit of what souls? What are you thinking? Well, yeah. So what if he? Yeah, I like that. Like, what if he killed someone that was dear to him? I don't know who that would be on accident or even on purpose. Who knows? But on accident, and he ended up literally, yeah, like going trying to get their soul back. What if he did it as a child? What if he was a sorcerer, and he was a well, sorcerer? Part of me was thinking he... like Full Metal Alchemist style, where like 
Well, so I'm thinking some horrible. And what happens is, is the moment he gets his powers, he kind of explodes. Like maybe he's a wild magic sorcerer and he, he explodes with fireballs and he kills a bunch of people. And it's all like people he cares about. And he does this as a child and it scars him. And so the rest of his life is literally just like trying to save these people, bring them back. Hmm. Okay. I like this route. I also like the route of like, not necessarily child, but like teenager. And he's like studying under a master or something to like make potions or something strange like that. And he ends up creating something that either explodes or there's some sort of horrible incident in his training that like kills a ton of people or, you know, just someone he cares about even. Mm -hmm. And uh, it causes him to like try and research into and dive into the how can I get their souls back? But the child as like a sorcerer who just, doesn't understand their full power and like burns down their house or whatever like while their parents are sleeping on accident would be horrific as well mm-hmm. <laughs> like i don't think i'd want it to be like explodes but i love the idea of like maybe even still has like a master like he was a sorcerer and his master is trying to teach him how to contain his magic and he mm-hmm. as a kid thought he could do it and so like in his room one night while everybody's asleep he's trying to like cast magic or something and he ends up like burning down his entire house and killing like his sister his mom and his dad mm-hmm. That's and then that causes him to yeah and then that causes him to like try and dive into the depths of hell or whatever and retrieve his family but how would that turn him into a god that's the question i think the um i think he literally makes an impression on the current god of death at that time and he like becomes maybe, like the god of God's, death's apprentice. Well, yes. Yeah, so what I'm thinking is maybe gods in this world only live for so long. So all gods. But if that was the case, then his punishment up. would kind of be. Well, I mean, I still think it's an insanely long amount of time, like thousands of years, like thousands and thousands of years. So I think Do he they... still has that time limit of. Wait. This is still how long is... gods live. This is interesting, though. If gods didn't live permanently and they died, would they reside in, like, the ultimate form of heaven? And then, like, there's, like, tears. So, like, believers Ooh, get, like, tier one of heaven. The people who've become gods get, like, tier five of heaven or whatever. Yeah, they have a tier five subscription. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the top level subscription. You know, it's $20 a month, but it's top tier. It's Amazon Prime Plus. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> but... I don't know if I've seen a world that's really that way. Mm. Like, gods don't live forever. Would they, like... Okay, well, now we're in a whole new area. If gods didn't live forever, would they, like... Would they take on apprentices and, like, try and... Oh, 100%. Teach people what they do? I I think think they, they have to find someone to pass it on to. And I think every one of them is constantly looking at the world to be like, what is out there? Like who who would I even sort of trust this to? And and so they kind of begin Man, that's all, just a and so this person had already been looking at this at this young kid who was trying to bring these people back. That was like the person he's been looking for. And when they approach him saying, Hey, like I'm 
here to to bargain for souls. He's like, okay, kid, go for it. Like, and then he makes a deal with him. And when he man, when he does, he eventually will just say like, would you like to be my apprentice? Because he's gonna die soon, and so he was looking to pass it on to someone. It's just such a different take on gods. It is, you know? and I love it though. It's so different. Like gods are only temporary, and so they're trying to pass on their godhood to their like people they trust. Godhood the and they... knowledge, and so that's also another re- that would make religion much more important. Because the people would think that the the higher ups of any church, yep, would have a higher likelihood of becoming the deity. Oh man, and that would lead to so much terrible uh, corruption and drama. Oh my gosh, could you imagine the chaos that could possibly that could possibly ensue if you when one is not picked and another one is? Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like oh this man. Is, this could have a lot of fun. Okay, I like this. I like this. So he has this horrible accident. He dives down into the river Styx or whatever to try and save his family members, and he gets noticed by the god of current god of death, mm-hmm. who essentially makes him an apprentice. I don't know what I'd call it, but an apprentice of some kind yeah. to take over the mantle of the god of death. He eventually, of course, probably makes it all the way through it, the god of death dies. Does he kill the god of death, or the god of death just dies naturally? I think the god of death dies. Yeah. So the god of death just dies, and he becomes the god of death, where does he... Okay, we can add another layer, too. Does he want to be a god permanently once he's tasted godhood? I think that has been... I, th- I think maybe, but I also think that it's... I don't think it's possible. I think I think I would want it to be... If it is his goal, it's an impossible goal. Because I think okay. I think there would have been millions of gods who would have tried that already. Okay, so maybe yeah, maybe it's impossible, but he's still trying anyways, right? Yeah, and he starts to steal. And so souls maybe they, they, the people to... talk to like an old dragon, and the old dragon's like, "What do you know? There's there's no like that's not possible. They've all tried, and it never works." Yeah, and maybe he he is. He thinks that if he just, if he just can gets more souls and more power, then he'll be able to. And so he starts stealing the souls of other gods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, then it leads us back to where we were, where he does he gets caught. What, what, what does he get caught? Does he just what what happens? How, what happens there? Win. Like, he's siphoning souls and leading souls to his demiplane, even if they were, you know, believing in other gods. You know, he's yeah, so what he's doing there that is that... Simulates that, others. Yeah, that's him trying to... Um, that, that's him trying to get the power to remain a god forever. Right, and so does he just get caught by the other gods? Like, do they just start realizing that... Well, I mean, they're eventually they're... Souls? Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Eventually, the souls, the amount that they're getting is way less than it should be. And, and so, so then what do they revolt against him? Like do they they all fight him or whatever and I mean obviously he'd probably kill a few gods or whatever. Yeah, I think it would be a big a big thing, a big event that they probably has a name and probably is talked about in different religions. Yeah, and then they end up 
defeating him with overwhelming, you know, odds and curse him and cast him down to never be able to return to the divine realms mm-hmm. ever again. And so he ends up just cycling constantly through different low, I don't want to say low lives, but <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like different uh, yeah. humanoids. Interesting. Yes. Yes, it is interesting. Now, what age do you think he becomes? What age do you think he becomes like an apprentice to the god of death? Thirty-five. Wow, I think that this was really happens, specific and real quick. I think he was eighteen when it happened. When when he he was getting cocky, he was eighteen. He's like, I got this. It was probably even on his eighteenth birthday, just like it was with Kellum Vor and Tragedy Strikes. And that's when the the issue happens, the problem happens, where the people die, and he wants to to solve it, and it takes him like, in this case, seventeen years to figure it out. How do I save them? How do I get to hell? Is that reasonable? Unreasonable? Older? Younger? I think yeah. No, I, I want him to probably be you know, like teenager to somewhat adults. And then when he starts, like kind of when the tragedy strikes and then he, yeah, somewhere in the middle of his, maybe a little bit younger than thirties, but that's when he becomes a, an apprentice. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that gives him time to develop as like a human and then have an impact, like a part in his life that's incredibly impactful is when the tragedy strikes. Yeah. And then he, you know, tries to make his way over and become a god. Yes. And then I think it also adds to the curse and makes it, you know, you're cursed back to where you started, back to, like, the torment that you've endured when you were younger. You know, you have to live the mortal life again with all of its flaws and its um, its tragedies. And so that kind of makes it even worse for him. Yeah. Well, I think this is a pretty interesting, creepy... Uh... Yeah. Oh my gosh, totally. God, and now we have our, our idea of how gods work in our world because that's just that's just how things happen. You start creating other things and you're like, wow, like, oh man, what if gods work differently? And then it just all it all bleeds together in such a wonderful way. I love world creation. Yeah. No, it's so much fun. Just like piles up into some like all of a sudden you're like, well now we have to discuss are gods like actually permanent or are they there for a short like, you know, a short time a long time or they <laughs> yep. they die and reach different they're like a higher level of heaven and it's yeah super interesting well uh thank you for listening to episode 54 of dungeoneered Woo! oh man it it's been a while you're really tired right now so i'm, I'm gonna do a low rambly kind of ending the traditional ramble the ramble and scramble. Ramble. ramble and scramble. Ugh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Hurry up and end it. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you all for listening. And if you listen to us on any podcasting apps that have ratings and reviews, be sure to write us a review. It really helps the show by showing people are engaging and with, with it more than just listening to it. Um, if you want to... Talk to us, ask us questions. We have uh, a, an email address at dungeoneered at hotmail.com. 
If you have ideas for lukewarm opens or any topic that you'd like to hear us talk about, or maybe even interesting thing you think would be fun to add in our world. Yeah. Well, I guess this is time where I say this. Now, always remember to be the sharpest barrel in the bunch. See you next time. Bye.